Hey everybody, it's the final week of the WGT Closest to the Hole Challenge, so if you haven't gotten in on it yet, this is your last chance. Before we jump into that, last week's winner was Ryan Oldford on Twitter. He got it to 8.82 feet. Doesn't sound that close, but based on the hole we played, that is quite close. Not far at all for a 200-plus yard shot. Give the man some credit. So, Ryan, if you're listening, email in at lindsay at thednvr.com. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y at thednvr.com to get your free shirt or gift card to a local restaurant. For everyone else, get on it this week. Last chance. The winner of the week will still get that free shirt or gift card to a local restaurant, but we will also be pulling the grand prize drawing of the avalanche tickets or a jersey of your choosing if you're out of state. So you got to get in on it. And now you're going to be going to hole number eight of the Chambers Bay Golf Course for this one. That's the eighth hole of the challenge for the closest to the hole challenge. Try to hit it as close as you can. This one's a little bit different than most of the holes that we've been doing. This one is a putt. So it's long putt. Going to be difficult, but get your get in there and try and knock it in the hole. That's all I got. Try to win those abs tickets. Again, if you're not entered yet, get in there while you still can. WGT World Golf Tour is the name of the game. Go to free WGT to download. Closest to the whole challenge, Chambers Bay, hole number eight. All right, let's jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! See me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations and use their express checkout to get in and out as fast as possible. Or you can go to their website, mygreensolution.com, and order your flowers, concentrates, edibles, and other CBD products online. Head to Green Solution for pickup and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. It is Monday, and we are talking Avs, as it's a bit of a big day for the Avs, facing the St. Louis Blues for the second time this season. But the Avs are in a much healthier place than the last time they played them, and this is a showdown between two of the top teams in the Western Conference this time around. AJ, is there a lot to prove in this one? You know, there are two approaches to this. One is it's December 16th. Sure. And so the results of this game will matter in the standings forever. But these are the two top teams in the Western Conference. And to be honest with you, they've started to put a little distance between them them and everybody else. You know, Winnipeg and Dallas continue to hang around, but when it comes to, uh, you know, if you win the Central, are you the top seed in the West? You know, they've started to open up uh, both Arizona, Edmonton, 
have struggled. And Calgary's all of a sudden still back in this thing. And, you know, Vegas is always hanging around San Jose too. So there's um, there's a lot at stake here. You know, that you're trying to fight for home advantage in the postseason. And this will be game 35 for St. Louis and 33 for Colorado. So this won't be decided today. But St. Louis stands out as the roadblock. They're the defending champs. They're very good once again this year, basically repeating the formula that won them a cup from last season. Uh, They are as reliable night in, night out as any team in the league in how they want to play and how effective they are at forcing teams to play the way they want to. And that's where we're going to see an interesting side of things from Colorado. The two teams that they've, the the oh, three teams that I guess you could say they've struggled with this year have been St. Louis, Arizona, and Dallas. And all of those teams want to slow it down, grind it out, and play 2-1 hockey. And the Avs don't want to do that. And they have not handled those teams when they've gotten into those games They've not handled that very well. You know, they did win the one game against Arizona, but it was it was an overtime game in Denver that was just a, a just a slog to go through. And you know, you're looking at both Colorado and St. Louis coming off wins here, but you know, neither neither team really feeling very good about their last wins. You know, Colorado uh, beat New Jersey in a blech kind of game where they very much did not show up at a hundred percent and the blues scored four goals in 12 minutes to come back on the last place Blackhawks. So both teams are, Hey, we won last game, but this is the real, this is the prize right here. This, this today is for two weeks worth of bragging rights until they meet again in Denver. It is so far teams like the blues. You mentioned Dallas and Arizona have been the antithesis to the Avs quality play this season. And, the teams that they've struggled to impose their way of playing on are the ones that they've lost to. And this goes back years with St. Louis, how they always seem to be a tough team for the abs to play against in that regard. And we're still waiting to see the abs truly play their way against one of these top teams. Yeah. And they play, this is the first of them playing. um, They will play the blues three times in the next month. And the next two come in Denver, and then uh, they finish the season in Denver against St. Louis as well. So uh, today is the final time that they will be in St. Louis unless these teams play in the postseason. So try to leave it on a good note, I guess. Well, and you've got to win, you know, when it comes to the tiebreakers, the team with the extra home game, you remember that that extra home game doesn't count. Yep, it gets dropped if they're at the same point totals and going through the head-to-head record. So, head-to-head, very important. They need to win the head-to-head against St. Louis uh, just so that they've got, you know, you want to line up as many tiebreakers as possible uh, against the team that you think you're going to be competing for with, you know, for, for the Central Division title this year. Yep, right now they have them all except for that head-to-head, so... The abs, that is. They have right. the they have the rows, they have the goal differential, they have 
pretty much everything except for St. Louis has beaten them once. Regulation wins? Yep, they have those two. It's very nice. So, yeah, the Avs just need to pick up a W against St. Louis, and then that series will be 1-1, and you go from there at that point, especially because one of those wins is in St. Louis, as you mentioned, if they pull it off. Yeah, they and and you know this is also emotionally this is important because you're going against the champs and this is a team that that you know fed them their dinner in St. Louis earlier this year. Now they're you know you can go back and you you remember that they have five games in eight days. It was the fifth game of a five game road trip out east. Uh, the Avs had lost one game in overtime up to that point. Uh, the every everything was rocking and rolling for them when they rolled into the in, into St. Louis last time, uh, but then you know Rantanen goes down. They had no legs. They were dead tired all game, uh, and St. Louis just capitalized. They just beat them that night. And just flat beat them, and both teams uh, have significant injuries this time around. You know the Vlad Tarasenko's out for St. Louis. Kiel McCarr is out for Colorado. Um, you know, Eric Johnson's also out. St. Louis, I think, is missing Sammy Blay and um, maybe another one. I, I They just activated Alexander Steen off the IR, so I'm not sure if he'll be in the game or not, but you'd think that there's a decent chance. Um, and, you know, the two two wounded squads that, that are going to be fighting for first place tonight. They've been going back and forth uh, the last, I think, five nights that, that they've each played. They just traded spots atop the central. And right now St. Louis has the one point advantage, uh, but they've got two more games played. This is, this is when this one's big. I mean, they, the abs, the abs win, they, they move a point ahead and they remain, they, they retain the, the two games in hand on St. Louis. And you know, you, you'll take, you'll take having more real points and more fake points on top of, uh, on top of that. Yeah. The abs have been, markedly average and maybe even bad on the road when it comes to playing divisional opponents this year. They beat Chicago. They've beaten Winnipeg, but they have losses to Minnesota. They have losses to Dallas. And then of course the loss to St. Louis on the road this year. So, you know, I'm not a jinx guy, but I, when you read that list, I kind of feel like it. Yeah, because didn't go to the Chicago game, didn't go to the Winnipeg game, went to Dallas, went to Minnesota, and I will be and I will be in St. Louis. You go to losses, AJ. You just go to losses. I, you know, I actually um, tried to try to do the math on my road record in my career covering road games, and it just got depressing, so I stopped. I mean, is it better when you just don't count sixteen, seventeen? I didn't travel that year, so okay. So yeah, so no is the answer. <laughs> yeah, it's I've only on the road the last couple of years um, with the with the playoff teams. Gotcha. All right. Well, reverse the curse in this one. That's the that's the plan. I will say though, I was in St. Louis for their last win over the Blues. So not bad. Not bad. So I think they are one in three all time in me covering games there. It's not great. All right. Well, <laughs> you're not inspiring a lot of confidence in me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in jinxes, but at some point you have to start to wonder, right? Like, yeah, even, even I can't, I can't resist being like, I mean, you just look, it's coincidence, right? But come on. 
Well, one way to put a jinx out of your mind is to have a drink. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. We got a picture from someone the other day. They're all the way out in Alaska now. So if you can get your beer to Alaska, you can get your beer pretty much anywhere. I want to see it on in Australia soon. Make it happen. Somebody's got to get it out there. Uh, you can have any one of their amazing beers, whether it's their old Avalanche Amber Ale, their classic, or something new like their seasonal Christmas ale. You get it while you still can because it comes off the shelves pretty quickly after Christmas. You know how that goes. Everything transitions into the next holiday and into the next season. So be sure to get on it while you still can. And if you're looking for a good deal on it, well, Davidson's Wine, Liquor, and Spirits has you all hooked up because they are their beer of the month, Breckenridge, that is, for the entire month of December. And you can order a Breckenridge Brewery six-pack for just $7.99. You can go and pick it up, order it online, do whatever you need to do, but get it while you can before this deal goes. That's going to do it for period one, and we will be back in a second. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Rudo. He is AJ. We're talking about the Avs versus the Blues here. On the Avs side of things, you already mentioned McCarr held out of this game. Eric Johnson held out of this game. McCarr, it does sound like whatever is ailing him may be a little bit worse than the Avs had hoped. He will not go on this road trip. And in turn, they have called up Anton Lindholm as the seventh defenseman, essentially, for the team, AJ, you and I had talked before about a potential opportunity to get games for Connor Timmins here. That does not look like the Avs want to go that direction. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I want to know what you feel about this because everybody predictably knows how I feel and was all up in on me on Twitter today about uh, Anton Lindholm and Connor Timmins and this whole thing. So I want to, I want to hear what you have to say, because I feel like our, our listeners are, they, they, they know how I feel. I've made my case many, many, many times in these situations over the years. So Rudo, how do you, how does this strike your fancy? I don't think our opinions are going to be that different. I will say this. Seeing Anton Lindholm calls up, called up makes me assume that the abs do not want to play him. this is a guy who's going to sit in the press box. They're going to run with Rosen and Barbario on that bottom pair and just do what they're doing. And in that regard, I don't think it matters too much. It is a little bit disappointing that they're not taking the opportunity to get Connor Timmons in a game in a situation like this. But if they're calling up someone to sit in the press box, doesn't really matter if it was... Anton Lindholm, Kevin Connaughton, Connor Timmons, whoever, if they're not going to play. With that being said, I do not understand why they called up Anton Lindholm at all. If we're talking about earning an opportunity to be a call-up, even if it is just someone in the press box, Anton Lindholm would not be high on my list. He has not been anywhere near the best defenseman on the Eagles, even if you say, hey, look, you can leave Connor Timmons in the AHL and give him ice time down there, fine. But bring up a Kevin Connaughton. Bring up someone who's been a quality player for that Eagles team on both sides of the puck and reward that. 
Is this not what the value of Kevin Connaughton was? That's that's exactly what I was saying as well. You got Kevin Connaughton to be this extra pro defenseman who has it's like three hundred and thirty NHL games or something under his belt. Something. It's this is exactly what he does. And if you brought him in to not be that, why does he exist? I don't understand that part of it. I don't understand the infatuation with Anton Lindholm. They tried him last year just as well, and he was terrible, and I thought that was it. I thought they were done with him in the NHL at that point because it was pretty clear that at least Jared Bednar did not want to play him in the lineup. So I, his existence just doesn't make any sense. You may as well have ran 6D, and if someone got injured, then you can call someone up for the next game and have them join him on the road trip. That's and and ultimately the conclusion I came to was actually the Eagles play Tuesday night. And I think the Eagles wanted all the other defensemen to play in that game. And Anton Lindholm was the most expendable or not necessary for them. So Mm -hmm. from an, from an ab standpoint, Lindholm being on the team or not makes zero difference. I certainly hope if he plays in a game, if the have willingly put him into a game, not a situation where someone gets hurt in warmups or whatever, that's unfortunate, but whatever, if they actively choose to put him in the top six, I don't understand what they're doing. I have no idea. How much do you think the Eagles kind of odd schedule this week plays a role in this? Because the AHL is very much a Friday, Saturday, Sunday league. It is. They they almost always play on weekends. There are some, especially the Eagles, often push for a schedule like that because that's what they're used to from the ECHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it matters. I do think, especially, we've talked about Connor Timmons is the best defenseman on that team. They will struggle without him. So I do think that's part of it. Connaughton plays big minutes for them as well. And they but, play, for context, they play Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. So they, they are not sitting around all week idle. They play this week. Uh, I would imagine that this is a holiday-related schedule where things are just getting pushed up. You would assume that, that it's something like that. I do think it matters. I do think that's part of the decision process for both of those teams. Mm-hmm. And I understand it, but I disagree with it. I You'll a lot of people talk about, oh, getting big minutes in the AHL. It's something I've never really subscribed to. If you have an option to get players minutes in the NHL instead, that's better for them than playing in the AHL, period. Not only for the player, but you as an organization get to learn what that player looks like in an NHL situation. They've already tested Timmons with the two games. It would be a great time to get another look at him and see how far he's come along with his quality play in the AHL. It's just a wasted opportunity is what it is. It it comes down to not being as effective as an organization as they could be. So I want to follow this up um, and just say that I feel like, and I think, I think you'll probably be at least in the neighborhood with me on this one. Um, And if I'm not, please do correct. But I feel like one of the reasons that I am iffy about this decision on a micro level. This is fine. This is two games this week. He may, you know, Timmons may not have even gotten into the lineup. He will play both games for the Eagles. Uh, you know, of course, barring injury uh, and all will be fine, right? Like we won't even, you won't even really think about it that much. Uh, the Eagles also play on Saturday of this week. So Timmons is going to be playing plenty of hockey, but 
I just don't trust the avalanche. That's that's what it comes down to for me. They have done yeoman's work in getting me to believe in the logic and buying into the moves that they make at the NHL level. Um, we have been wrong about, you know, I was, I was certainly, we were certainly wrong about the Valerie Nichushkin situation. Um, I think we were both not, we didn't love the Belmar signing, but it didn't have anything to do with Belmar, the player, Belmar, the, we were fine with Belmar, the player. It was just the process that we didn't love. Um, but also we knew that Belmar was going to come in and do exactly what Belmar has done. So that's been fine. Uh, and then we, we understood and, and were fine with the, the moves that they made for Burkowski and Donskoy, Kadri, all those there, those were easy to understand and very logical moves that were defensible. And you did not have to do any kind of crazy mental gymnastics to get there. The avalanche have gotten NHL players out of first round picks, uh, jumping straight to the NHL. They have gotten uh, NHL players out of waiver wire pickups from other teams. They have gotten a NHL players out of a guy like Ryan Graves, who was an AHL cast off from another organization. They have gotten NHL players out of basically every avenue imaginable, except drafting a guy, not in the first round, watching him go through a perfectly normal development track including the AHL and then integrating him into the lineup successfully. Yeah, I I mostly agree with you, but I would say even in the case of Ryan Graves, getting him into the NHL as a regular was like pulling teeth for this team. He was the third or fourth guy. Not only was he the third or fourth guy, he finally got his opportunity. He played fantastically and they were more concerned about saving his waiver eligibility and not playing him that 10th game until they absolutely had to when he was clearly the better option than what they had. And it's frustrating when they have something that at very least appears like a better option or potentially could be a better option and they continually pass over it. And in the case of their own draft picks, that often results in a delayed development process because they never get them to the NHL until a lot of times it's too late. So I had an interesting conversation just to add some interesting context to the Graves thing here. Uh, because, again, I've been working on a Graves feature. I talked to a scout before the game the other day who told me that uh, they were disappointed when Colorado messed around with Graves in the 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 waiver last year yeah because they had targeted him as a guy that they were going to claim interesting uh and and because i was like hey can i can i get your thoughts on graves can i go on the record with some of this stuff about you know how you feel about graves and he gave me a bunch of good stuff but one thing that he did mention unprompted mind you i did not ask about this was when he came up last year and they saw him in the NHL, the the reports on multiple of the games were good enough and they felt good enough about him that had the Avs pushed him back through waivers, uh, they would have claimed him. And so that's great that the Avs managed to avoid a player that has turned into a real NHL caliber defenseman for them, avoiding right. getting claimed on waivers. And that was a conversation we had while that process was going on last year that – there's this fear 
that once a guy is shown that he can play in the NHL, other teams are going to jump to it. And so that's, I'm okay with the, that part of it. Like how Ryan Graves turned out, I'm okay with. I don't mind that Anton Lindholm and Mark Alt got call-ups before him. I'm okay with that because we didn't really, like Ryan Graves, let's be, let's be real. Ryan Graves was not tearing it up in the AHL last year. He was not. It was not like Ryan Graves was was beast moding and playing the way that we've seen him play with the Avalanche down in, in us geographically up in Loveland. Yeah. So the thing with that with me is my argument there is if you're worried that he's playing well enough to get claimed on waivers, why isn't he just a regular in your lineup as he ended up being as I believe he should have been because he was playing well in those first few looks. So my, my problem is more the slow pacing of, of getting him in as a regular. And that's, that's like, for me, that's fair enough. I don't have any, um, you know, the, the answers to that question we'll never know. Um, right. Where, where I got frustrated today with the Timmons uh, and the Lindholm and all that, was when Chambers, Mike Chambers of the Denver Post reported that, yeah, 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 you know, reported that Bedner said he's not been one of our top guys in the and AHL. That's just factually incorrect. And I don't know any other way to put it, yeah, I don't, I don't see why the team can't just come out and say and give us the reasons that we've laid out for why having Timmons in the AHL, leaving him in the AHL is fine. Hey. We're not planning on having that guy play. We're planning on rolling with our NHL regulars. We want to get him into the lineup with the Eagles this week. They've got three games this week, so we want to see him continue to play, continue to stay in that rhythm and do his thing. Why do you have to take a shot at his play? Especially because we all have eyes. And some of us have AHL Live subscriptions. (laughs) And we can watch those games. And if your argument is Connor Timmons hasn't been one of their best ones, I first of all, like reasonable people can disagree. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that's right or wrong. I will just say my opinion is that's not true. But I would also say that Anton Lindholm, based on merit, if we're looking just at merit, Anton Lindholm shouldn't be in the end cashing NHL checks this week. Definitely not. I the only defenseman other than Timmons you could make the case for if we're basing it on merit is honestly probably McDonald. I which like that's not gonna happen. And I, don't I would agree with you there. But. I would see I, I would have I would have not blinked at all had it been Kevin Connaughton again. No, I when I heard McCarr was going on IR, I fully expected it to be Connaughton. Right. Like my my full expectation is we're either gonna see Connaughton or we're gonna see Timmons. And that they went Lindholm is just me being a sucker again. Had they come out and said, okay, Timmons is playing well, but we think it's better for his development to get these games in the AHL to play those minutes, whatever. I might disagree with that, but at least there's a plan. At least there's a path there. Right. They're keeping this in mind. You know, that this is, this is what they are saying. This, the front facing reason here is this is what's best for the player. And instead, it's not only do they not say that, but it's we don't think the player has played well. And dude, yeah, I, I would love would love to have been part of that conversation because I I think there's a decent chance that of the people on the Avalanche beat regularly between myself and 
uh, Mike and Ryan Clark and Adrian Dater, um, and maybe the Mile High Sports guys. I'm not I'm not sure what they do beyond the Avs, but I think there's a decent chance that I watch more Eagles than they do, and I would have loved to have been part of that conversation to push back. And, At very and, least, just see what they want to see out of him. Exactly. What, what more do you need to see from him for him to be involved in that conversation is the natural follow-up question that I wish I could have asked because that's, I just, again, I just disagree with the assessment. Uh, I think Timmons has been their best player, their best defenseman. And you've made the argument that maybe they're even best overall player. And I don't have a strong counter argument. I just, I just that disappointed me. And then the, the old school lack of trust where it's like, look, the abs have done so many things where you just have to, you just have to kind of tip your cap and say, look, their recent track record says that you have to believe that they're making a good decision here, but this is the one Avenue that they still, this is the mountain they haven't climbed. Yep. And that's why when they make these decisions, even though it's a micro thing and it's like, this is a week, you know, it's, this is just not, this is, we're talking about a guy that's likely not going to play this week. And we're talking and we're, we're like, we've spent a segment talking about this guy getting called up versus that guy getting called up for like, first of all, we understand that this is like a small thing, but this is also what happens when you do a daily show, you talk about well, these things and, and they, they build up over a year, right? If, yeah. if you get into February and the abs are in a race and someone on the decor gets hurt and they're looking at their possible call-up options, they're going to say, well, Timmons only has two games NHL experience because you did not get him in a game like you right. could right now. That's and exactly. This is a great point because there have been opportunities and we've talked about them finding opportunities to put their prospects into NHL games, into situations to succeed. And to get that experience. So when they look back, you know, when, when they do get to a February or a March and they're in the middle of it, they're in the middle of a 16 games and 31 day stretch. And they say, you know, Oh, well, you know, we want to bring our more experienced guys up. Part of the reason that that guy is inexperienced is because you made it that way. Yep. And it ends up becoming a self defeating prophecy in the end because you put yourself into this feedback loop of failure. Right. And the one thing that, you know, you could make the argument in the past was, well, these guys, you know, some of these guys just aren't very good, but we're seeing Connor Timmons succeed at a level that we have not seen a defensive prospect succeed since arguably Stefan Elliott and Tyson Berry for the monsters. I would say maybe the closest that it comes is that first year of big Ra. Right. And Big Rock got a ton of opportunity after that. So. Right. He he got something like 50 NHL games played as a result of that. So, yep. you know, that and and we look back on Chris Big Rock and it's like, look, look, I don't feel like the organization failed him. I feel like Chris Big Rock just wasn't an NHL player. And, and that's fine, but they found that out by playing him in the NHL. Exactly. And that was the frustration going back to the AJ Greer stuff. That was the frustration there is that six minutes a night. You don't really get a feel for it, especially across like 20 games. You know, there's no real feel there of what that guy is. Um, with with Timmons, you know, hopefully this doesn't end up mattering. Uh, hopefully that they're just they're giving us the old, you know, wink and gun on the side with that. 
Yeah. Timmons isn't among the players in our call up or, you know, whatever that quote was. Um, basically saying he hasn't been good enough. Uh, hopefully it's the old winking gun, man, because if that's really how they feel, then the, the, the assessment continues of their AHL team continues to be frustrating and disappointing. I guess the question I would have is if Timmons hasn't been good enough, what, how good does it need to be? Because you're going to be hard pressed to find a, NHL draft pick not from the first round that's going to play better than that in the AHL. Well, and one and a guy that's not like twenty three already, right? You know, and, and hasn't been in pro hockey aging for a while. out essentially, right? And I think that's the maybe the one aspect uh, before we get out on because I know we're running long here. Yeah, uh, the one the one aspect we have not touched on is that this is still his first true pro season. Uh, Connor Timmins is a, his AHL career is still like twenty five games long, so there's. There's plenty of reason for you to say for when when I get when I get tweets from people saying, look, he can just stay in the AHL and continue to develop and that's fine. We're still at that point where that doesn't make me roll my eyes. But like there reaches a point where that stops being true. Right. And with Timmons, it I would disagree with that sentiment, but I wouldn't be up in arms about it. When you talk about a guy that you don't want to include in a Taylor Hall trade. You're talking about a guy that you have to believe then is a higher impact player. And so you don't, you don't think, well, we should just give this guy two full years in the AHL. Right. And if you don't give him NHL looks this year, we've talked about this numbers game at length. This, the numbers game on this avalanche defense again, will push him back to the AHL next year. And then at that point, you're talking about diminishing returns. There's, a trajectory that a prospect goes on in his development and you always want it to be ticking up. You don't ever want it to plateau and turn into just you drawing a straight line. I know we've talked about this before too, but it's the same thing that happened to Nick Malosh a couple of years ago now where they never got him in and there were just too many other bodies. And yes, you can say that Timmons is a significantly better prospect than Nick Malosh, which is probably true and all the more reason why it should not be repeated in the same fashion. Right. That timeline can't be the same. You can't be looking at, Oh, well, you know, now he's, it's a year down the road. Like this was disappointing. It was predictable though, given their history. Uh, But it's all nonetheless frustrating. And part of the frustration is just the lack of trust because this is the area that they have not done well for most of their entire existence. I mean, they've they've done such a poor job of being a development organization since they moved to Colorado. So this isn't this isn't even like a recent thing. This is just more of the same, and that's why I am loath to just trust them on this one. I'm I'm with you on that one, but we'll wrap up period two here. I can tell you this. A couple of games in the NHL will certainly be moving Anton Lindholm into a new tax bracket. So we got to talk about Symbio tax and administration. There's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs here in Colorado. Symbio tax and administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own and George over at Symbio tax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard abs fan. 
I'm sure he listens to this podcast every day. We regularly get questions from him on our question shows, all of that. So he's one of our guys. And whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional like George to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains where they don't know you. Call Symbio Tax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-tax.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We've ranted for long enough about things that really aren't going to affect the Avs roster much, if at all. So let's talk about something on their roster a little bit more relevant. One of the most divisive players on the team right now is Tyson Jost. And it's an interesting conversation because he's been playing fourth line center quite a bit over the past handful of games. I think AJ and I will both agree that his process has been excellent, but the points just aren't there. At some point, your production matters, man. Yep. And... It's right now it's that of a fourth line center. Pretty much. You know, he's he's on pace right now to basically repeat what he did last season. Yeah. Uh, 26 points in 70 some games, something like that last year. Yeah. And that's and and that's honestly that's disappointing that they're all around him guys are having career years and taking big steps forward and he's just going along doing his thing. Stagnating. Yep. Yeah. It's it's disappointing that the production isn't there, but it's not disappointing that you can look at the process and say, "Look, you look at the underlying, uh, you look at the underlying numbers, you look at all the metrics that you want to look at, and all of them will show you like this is a this is a decent NHL player. This isn't a top six NHL player. This isn't a guy that's like banging down the door of a fifty point season or some massive breakout, but." a guy that consistently does the right things and creates a handful of scoring chances and is involved in a handful of scoring chances every single night. They just don't go in and finishing ability is one of those abilities. And you know, like we, we've seen guys have nice long careers and not be able to finish, you know, Dan Winnick got a job every single year in like August because he was a guy that could go out there and do a bunch of things right. He just couldn't score. And, you know, I'm not not saying Jost is going to end up being Dan Winnick, but ultimately may end up not being significantly far off. Um, if there isn't a big step forward here of some kind, like if he just keeps humming along, like this is a bottom six player and, you know, the draft stuff, it doesn't matter anymore. It just doesn't. What matters is how does this player fit on your roster? And is this guy somebody that you want to continue to hold a spot for moving forward? How much leeway does he get? Because let's be honest, when the Az were critically injured at times, he was playing with guys like TJ Tynan, with guys like Logan O'Connor, mm-hmm. guys that let's just say they're not going to help your point totals. Let's put it that way. Now he's playing on the fourth line. The abs are mostly back to health. So the quality of line mates has improved, but again, he's not playing with heavy point producers. Can he get points going if they gave him an opportunity with a little bit more scoring, or is this something that he's got to do himself to a certain extent? Great question. (laughs) I, 
playing next to some of the guys he's played to uh, when they were going through those injury issues because it wasn't like he got an extended look next to Kadri. Right. You know, he spent as much time next to TJ Tynan as he did next to anybody else. So, you know, it's he does have to do some of this himself. And we've seen, you know, we saw it with Val Nachushkin in the first half, you know, in the first 20 games of the season. He was getting in the lineup because his process was good enough to keep him in there. And there was just faith that eventually points would follow. And that ended up being the case. And now we're living in a world where Val Nachushkin's an all-star. So <laughs> I don't know how the hell it happened, but you'll take that. It's a great, it ended, he ended up being maybe the best example of what positive process can lead to if you just keep at it. And I think that, holy lordy, that is something, that's actually shocking to me. Do you know who Tyson Jost's second most common line mate is right now? Among the forwards? No idea. You don't even want to take a stab at it? Number one is definitely JT Comfer, which made all the sense in the world. So probably Valentin or something? It's not. It's Colin Wilson. Oh, it's the guy who's been injured for 15 games. Yeah. 10 games, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's not consistent. <laughs> that's, that actually shocked me. <laughs> And then it's Kadri, and then it's Nieto, and then Burakovsky, and Tynan, and Kamenev. So, kind of bouncing all over the place. Yeah, all, all over the place, man. And it's interesting to look at some of the shot metrics with some of these guys, um, because some of, them are, some of them are pretty good. Some of them are pretty not. Yeah. You know, the the effect on some of these guys, it's, it's just interesting to see like he and Kamenev together have produced very good process, but away from each other, not good process. And yeah, I also wonder, you know, when you look at those numbers with some of the higher end players, does it start to define a line of when he gets in over his head a little bit? Uh, I, yeah, I think so. Definitely. Um, but it's, it's all over the board with him. And then you look at, okay, is he on the right side of 50% in, in some of the things that we care about, right? You know, Corsi, Corsi four, he's, he's at 51, um, expected goals percentage. He's at 48. So he's not on the right side of that one, but he's not too far off scoring chances for he's at 52 high danger chances for he's at 54. So, you know, he's, he's all, he's also on the high side of a PDO. But all of that together, all, you know, just those numbers. And then you dig even deeper into shot rates and, and deeper into the fancy stats and, and the, the shot impacts, the heat maps and stuff. All of that will show you like, this is not a dominant NHL player, but it's a decent one. And where he fits moving forward just remains as uncertain today as it was at the beginning of the season. I, yeah. I don't know what I would do with him at this point. I would just re-sign him and bring him back on a one-year deal worth like a million dollars. Just prove it, and we'll find out what you really are once and for all. I mean, well, that's what this season was supposed to be. That's what the last two seasons has was supposed to be, really. But and it just it just continues. I'm I'm just not. I don't know what to do with him. 
Um, like you would think theoretically, hey, this guy's going to have more value in a trade to get an, another forward because he's a 21 year old who looks like he's capped out in Colorado. Like looks like he's maxed out where his role is going to be in Colorado. And another team could maybe give him more run as a second line center with, you know, with some players that he won't get to play with while he's here. And maybe that that's valuable there, but then like, who's the trade for and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like trying to find all of that is difficult too. I'm just not sure, man. Like it's, it's, it's become maybe the most difficult question they have moving forward. And just to kind of circle back to where we started, Val Nishushkin had two points in like 17, 18 games. I think it was. Yeah. Had he gone five more games without this, the scoring that first goal in forever and, and having this breakout that he had, we're legitimately talking about him not being in the lineup right now. Well, and it's true. He goes five more games, does not have, you know, take, take all the points away. And you're, you're talking about the, the lineup getting healthy and all these guys starting to come back. And then it's like, okay, well, where does he fit now? Right. So the point I'm getting to with Jost there is you can only wait for the process to show the results for so long before yep. it just there you have you run out of rope. There's no more room. Mm-hmm. So that's why Jost is in this awkward situation, because it doesn't matter how good you look at the end of the day. If they can't play uh, with your second line and expect you to produce points, then they can't do that. They have to play you in, on the third, on the fourth line, on mm-hmm. on wherever good process helps, even if there are no points. You just continue to lower the ceiling on yourself. Yep, exactly. And make it, and make it harder for the coaching staff to give you more opportunity. Even, even in situations where there are injuries in the future, it becomes harder because we've seen, Hey, he's a much better center than he is a wing that already is going to limit him on other teams that might give him more opportunity, but in Colorado specifically, because they're deep down the middle that limits him. Yeah. I mean, if you're a pure center, you're not going to get higher than three C with the apps because it's going to be McKinnon Kadri one, two, Mm-hmm. Unless one of them gets hurt. And even then they have options like JT Confer coming off the wing, probably ahead of Tyson Jost. Yeah, probably. So he's, he's in a weird no man's land at this point, And I'm just not sure what the path forward for him is like right now, as he is, is perfectly fine. There isn't a clear cut, better player knocking on the door to take his job, but if they go out and they do make a big move uh, at some point this season and not even a Taylor Hall move, but just uh, adding a top six forward move and that drops Donskoy down to the bottom six and, you know, and then you have to reshuffle and everybody moves down one. I mean, it just becomes harder and harder to keep him in the lineup. I I was going to say, I can hear dozens of people already typing their comments about move him for Taylor Hall. So, well, and when we did our when we did our exercise, you know, we talked about it. Like the one area that New Jersey just doesn't really need. Right. It's just not a good fit with Jost in New Jersey. It's the same situation essentially. It really is. They're gonna get they're gonna get the same guy, and it's just like you know, sure, he's young, he's twenty one, and that's great, but that does not make them appreciably better in the future. 
It's not something that they don't already have because they've got Pavel Zaka already hanging out there doing that exact job, giving them very similar production. So I just don't, that fit is very questionable, but you know, Tyson Berry in Toronto was very questionable and they did that anyway. So who knows? Well, we'll just have to do our magical summer predictions again and be right on the money. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. (sighs) It's bedtime. There you go. AJ's yawns signal the end of the show, unless you got (laughs) something finally to say on it. No, I'm really looking forward to Avs Blues. I think that's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to be in that building. I think it's going to be amped up. I think everybody understands that this is a litmus test. Um, And really, if St. Louis wins, then you, I, I would hope that the Avs don't need to go get more help crowd would start to gear down just a little bit. Yeah. Because when you talk about the Avs needing another guy, it's to push through a team like St. Louis. Exactly. When you're talking about going to get a Taylor Hall, you're talking about winning a cup, essentially. Yeah. So uh, it's it's tough. It's a tough situation to try and analyze trades. I, we've covered Hall's situation as best as we can. I think everyone's just in the let's see what happens boat for that for now. So yeah. You can take your mind off it by watching what is hopefully a very good game between the Avs and the Blues tonight. So there you go. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening, as always. AJ is on the road the next couple of days, as he mentioned, but we will get your podcasts to you one way or another, so you will hear from us again tomorrow. And if you're still looking for Breckenridge Brewery, couldn't get out to Davidson's to get it, That's where TotalBev.com comes into play because you can order your liquor or alcohol from them and get it shipped right to your door. And they're offering an amazing 30% off to the DNVR fam of purchases of $25 to $75. Got to be at least $25, but will not apply to more than $75. Use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app today. They have that alcohol and liquor, as I already mentioned. They deliver to most of the metro area, and they now have CBD products as well. So if you need that delivered, they got you covered there, too. Don't let this offer pass you by. Once again, it's 30% off orders, $25 to $75. Get on it. Get it delivered. Cheers.